So I was at the store the other day and I got like the greatest idea based on companies and brands trying to be really nice to people. And I thought this could change the world. You were at a sex shop, weren't you? (laughs) You would think, you would think, but no, I was literally at the bookstore. So I'm at the bookstore, I'm checking out and I'm asked, would I like to opt out of Valentine's Day? (laughs) Really? Interesting. Yeah. And I'm like... Yes. I'm like, do you let my wife know this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, do you want to not get emails for Valentine's Day? I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, I thought you were giving me permission to opt out of Valentine's Day. I thought this was the greatest thing on earth. Yeah, it's like Christmas at the Cranks where they skip Christmas. Exactly. You, know, you just uncheck what you don't want to participate in. Exactly. And so, well, I learned that it's, you know, people who are going through breakups or whatever, and they do this for Mother's Day and Father's Day too, and, and even Christmas. But I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a genius idea if you could literally check a box, tell somebody else, yes, I want to opt out of Valentine's Day. I want to opt out of birthdays. I want to opt out of whatever. And they tell your spouse and you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's wishful thinking, but I think it's genius. Uh, yeah, genius, but impossible. Ah, uh, stop ruining my dreams, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a realist. This is Taming the Hustle. Or something of the sort. So Valentine's Day, I can't cancel Valentine's Day, but if I could, I might, I might, my wife might not like it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, I have a guest for us today. No way. Yes. And she makes me look damn good. (laughs) She is, uh, I'm going to try to describe her the best I can. And I'm going to steal this from her is she's kind of like a finger in the ass. Either she's a wonderful (laughs) surprise or she makes everything fucking awkward and uncomfortable. I like her already. (laughs) It's Candace Fleming from Bush Beard. Hey, Candace. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So great to have you. So Candace provides not only my beard oil, which makes it nice and soft, which I didn't realize as a short beard man. Mm-hmm. That sounds funny. That should be a song. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies go crazy about the short beard man. Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> I feel like they do. But I didn't realize that beard oil would help my beard. And then I also use your shampoo, <laughs> which is amazing. So tell us a little bit about your company. So I started Bush in 2018. Like I've always loved beards um, and I'm a stylist is like my main career. Yeah. Um, so I just love like hair care in general. But I started it in 2018 and I just wanted to blend like my favorite things. I feel like salon life was like, it's like high pressure and like the demand. And I felt like with Bush, I could just have fun with it. I've always been, I like funny words or funny sayings. So I felt like I can yeah. incorporate that. People would always ask me where I'm from. So I would say the bush. And I feel like it doubles as a word for uh, facial hair. And it makes you think of like other things too. Like it can make you think of a lot of things. So yeah, you can say it yeah. on here. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's like, a- like 1970s porn bush or something. You know exactly. what I mean? And the fact that I'm a female in a male dominated line like 100 I, I think it's funny but anyway so bush started in 2018 i was already there yeah see? i was already there yeah but i feel like some people just don't get it somebody asked me to show they're like oh george w bush i'm like no this has nothing to do with politics <laughs> like 
You missed it. It went Ron, right over your head. Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Ron Jeremy. Yes, exactly. One hundred percent. Let's just set the record right away. Yeah. I live in the bush. Yes. I live yes, in the bush. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's the best place. <laughs> yeah. It is. I'm like six or seven hundred kilometers north of you. Yeah, Renee definitely lives in the bush. You have city around you, which helps, but he's uh yeah, no, he's way up in the boonies. So I'm helping you redefine living in the bush. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> So you've come out and said you are an introvert. Yeah, I am. I really am. So as you know, we talk to business owners on this podcast Mm -hmm. and I know you are not the only one. Yeah. So I've seen the success of your business online. So I kind of want you to talk about how an introvert runs a business. How is your day to day? What gets you going? How do you make it work? Uh, So honestly, social media is a huge platform. Like I always say, I'm way cooler online, but I feel like it's like, because (laughs) I can like be like that outgoing person inside of me online. Yeah. Um, so I post regularly and I engage a lot with, like, I feel like I've made like a real community. So I engage a lot with my people and, and then I started doing shows. Well, I've always done shows, but I do more shows now than I, I did in the past. But I feel like for me, it's just like building those connections. You know, if I think the first year I started, Every year I grow a little bit more and it's just, it's hard, but I don't know. I always call it my passion project. So for me, social media is huge. And then I try to work with other small businesses and things like that. So I feel like, um, I don't know what you would call that, but. Collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. Thank you. Yes. That's what it's all about. (laughs) Yeah. I always say community over competition too. So. I Candice, I don't know you very Mm -hmm. well, but I would hardly describe you as an introvert. Oh, you have no idea. Just saying. Like super deep in the hole in the ground. Like, no, I really am. It's So last year I said to myself, I said, self, I'm going to start saying yes to more things that can provide opportunities instead of always being afraid. Like, because it's like the buildup, you know, like once you're doing it, you seem to be okay, but it's the buildup. And then I feel like it's like the crash after, but I feel like just heading like diving into the fear and then like you know what what's the worst thing that can happen and who knows like everybody you meet will know something that you don't or you know i think it's human nature to fear change right if you can kind of overcome that yeah i like to think i've trained my brain to kind of embrace change and it's really allowed me to see life in a different lens you know yeah that's awesome when we first had a conversation i reached out to you on social media said i'd love for you to be on the podcast because i love what you're doing and when we got on the phone to have a conversation and you talked about being an introvert, mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't like you don't sound like one. You're really outgoing. You were chatty right off the bat. And you were <laughs> like, do you know how hard it was for me to take this phone call? Yeah. Yes. And I was like, oh, wow. And you're like, I had to talk myself through this yeah. just to get on the phone with you today. Yeah. Which, you know, as a business owner, that's tough. No, that's tough because it is. that you you need to connect with the demographic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we we talked about this on the phone when we first uh, chatted, mm-hmm. but you know your business better than anyone, mm-hmm. and obviously, like I think you have a great social media, you have great images, you got great videos, like everything looks so so good. Thank you. And when I said that to you when we first spoke. Mm-hmm. You said, yeah, but it's not easy. There's still lots of hurdles in the way. Yeah. What's your biggest hurdle right now? So the biggest one right now is like either I seem to constantly be going against community guidelines or kind of getting like shadow banned or like blocked or not on people's explore page or anything. Um, 
And it's just really frustrating because I feel like people can post, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I said the other day, like people basically post their arsehole, nipples, friggin' like yeah. roadkill, like, I mean, bathing suits that they're not, they're strings. Like I just, I'm like, how can all of that grow? But then when I'm trying to grow a sell brand, a yeah, yeah. Or, you know, and like, yes, I sell a product, but I feel like it's more than that. Like even for when I do charity or just different things, I feel like it's, I feel like I'm constantly smacking my head against the wall. And I feel like I'm heading into my sixth year and I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like how? Yeah. And so that's why this year I'm like more networking. I'm like, screw the social media, not screw it. You know what I mean? But I'm like, okay, yep. just because you have 10,000 followers doesn't mean that they're 10,000 customers. And I have to try to remind myself of that. Correct. Um, and then, you know, when I posted that ridiculous meme the other day, I thought it was funny. Like, I sit there and laugh and snigger by myself. For everyone listening, the finger in the ass, the description of Candace is what she posted online. Daryl takes a screenshot and messages that to me. And he says, we're, we're going to have fun at this uh, this interview. Yes, I just thought it was so funny. And the amount of people that unfollowed me, I was like, whoop. It's like a little bitch slapping the face. I was like, okay, okay, all right. Some of my really amazing customers and friends message me and they're like, you know what? Like if they're not down with that, that's okay. They're just not your people. You don't need them to be yeah. here anyway. So, but how weird is it to have that type of social media presence where, like you say, you, you've got all your private parts on there. Yes. Everyone's loving that. Yes. The shit that shows up on my feed is extraordinary. Yeah. But at the same time, we're living in a society that is oversensitive to everything. Yes. Like it's, <laughs> it's very contradictory. No, it's really yeah. true. Yeah, it really is. And I think, too, because I'm a female in a male's world or a male's care product for the most part, it's like a whole yeah. other thing. Like, and I realize that's sort of what sets me apart, but I feel like I always try to play Switzerland or teeter on that line because I never like really women are my demographic, which is very strange, but it's women that buy stuff for men. I agree. And tell 100%. them what to use. But yeah. I never want to come across to females like I'm trying to like hit on their guys or you know what I mean? Or like sexualized yeah, things. Yeah. Like it's like a fine line, you know, it's, I find it hard and it's tricky to navigate. Cause like I had a conversation with, uh, I've heard you talk about micro influencers there too, but anyways, about a micro influencer. And he was just like, you just got to like go out there and say it. And like, he's like, instead of saying face lube, why don't you just say like face lube elevates your game in the bedroom? And I'm like, Ooh, that's like super direct. It's not like sudden, yeah, you know, yeah. and I just, I feel like because women are my demographic, for the most part, I have to be, I don't know, Switzerland. I'm trying. Yeah. I guess yeah. it's hard. Well, that was my first thought when Daryl mentioned uh, having you on our program mm -hmm. is that do you find that being a female in kind of an, in a male environment, I would say, mm -hmm. or um, or a male targeted audience, if it helped you uh, with your marketing or do you think it, it harmed you? Ooh, that's a good question. Because the angle that you took to go get women yes. to buy product for their men, yeah. to me, is genius. Yeah. I, and I, I honestly didn't even have that angle. It's just how it evolved, really. I feel like the type of customers, not all of them, but a majority of them, too, it would be their females that would buy it. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, like when you think of different brands, there's like extremely high end and stuff. Like there are guys that go for facials and manicures and pedicures and they're shopping in skincare sections. Like, I wouldn't say that's like my typical man market. I feel like it's, you know, more blue collar, like the everyday guy um, that uses Bush. And I feel like it's mostly, for the most part, females that would get it. So I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like I'm a rambler. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. I'm the facial and manicure kind of guy. So. Yeah. 
we work in a mining town okay. with guys that have beards. Yeah. And I could see yeah. that uh, that would be a market where you would yes. have to market the spouses yep. as opposed to them yeah. themselves. Yeah. They just want to be not, I, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of them just want to be like told what to do, not told what to do, but like, you know, I based it off my husband, really. That's why I started the whole company Yeah, because I was buying products for him that were like really heavy on the chemical side. They have a shelf life of like, you know, plus five years just stuff that I was like, oh, this is shit. So I was like, I'm, you know what? I'm going to make my own beard oil and I'm going to have fun with it and make funny names. And if you don't giggle a little bit when you read some of the names and you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> exactly. But that's really why I started it. And then, yeah, just these women. And I feel like we create these like fierce lady relationships that like encompass their husband or like different ways that they could take care of themselves. Like my best friend, her husband had like the most aggressive like he had a beard, I think, really to hide how bad his dry skin was and like oh, okay. so, so thick. And then once he kind of started using product and got on on like the regime of cleaning it, it was like a complete game changer. And then he was sold from there. But otherwise, yeah. he wouldn't be going out and looking for skincare or anything. Like he would use like a seven in one body face wash, hair wash, like less yeah. is more. So, well, that's the thing. I think we're still at a part in time mm-hmm. where men themselves, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking to two guys who religiously use face creams yeah. and, you know, beard it. oils and stuff. I love it. But generally, like I have a lot of male friends who they don't give a shit, no. but their wives do. Yes. Their wives are like, you look like shit. You yes. can't go out looking yes. like that. Yeah. Like comb that fucking beard. Yeah. No, it's right. true. Go shower. Yes. So it's time for you to go shower yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> no, wash, wash, wash those balls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. And I feel like I try to make products like most guys, I don't think would use a 10 step skincare regime. Like I would, some guys mm-hmm. would, I know some guys, like some of my guy friends would, but most of them, I try to like make it multifunctional or multi-purpose. just have more than one benefit. I guess, what is that saying? Like not just a one trick pony. Yeah. And something that's easy to use because yes. your target is not the complicated. No, man. like the everyday guy, like basic. One of my friends who is a doctor approached me about some things and I'm glad, like I feel flattered and glad that he uses Bush, but I felt like really intimidated because I was like, <laughs> this isn't like my ideal target market or like, I feel like, yeah, like he wanted me to do like set up a show for him and stuff. But I was like, okay, yeah. like I'm going to have to mind my language. I'm probably going to need to dress all in black and like be seen and not heard. This is what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that he uses Bush and stuff and he likes it, but I just feel like he loves luxury things, you know, like he would have like a $600 scarf. Like, that's not my typical target market, I guess. But that's the thing. I think from what I've seen on your social (laughs) media is that you're you're targeting, you know, the blue collar, as you say, the guys who don't give a shit, but their wives do. But you are encompassing guys like us (laughs) who want quality. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care if I'm getting it at the drugstore. I don't care if I'm getting it from a fancy skincare company. I don't care where I'm getting it from. As long as I'm getting the right product. Yeah. You're doing it right because you're trying to hit a demographic that needs this mm-hmm. and there is a need for it because I remember when I first grew my beard, like, I don't know, 15 years ago, you couldn't find beard oil. Mm-hmm. And if you did, it was like at, at the drugstore and it's this brand. And again, what you said with all this different shit in mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I shouldn't be using this. And my wife would say, yeah, yeah, like there's this and that and the other thing in there. I wouldn't put that on my face. Mm-hmm. And so I think you are, you're targeting to the right people who need it, Mm -hmm. but you're getting people like us who research and find the right stuff. Yeah. 
I think your audience is everyone with a beard, honestly. Yeah. Why would you be intimidated by someone who makes three million bucks a year? I need to work on that. You've got a great product. Everyone that has a beard should be using your product. Yeah. I think sometimes do you ever feel like you stand in your own way? I don't know. I feel like. 100%. Yeah. God. And I feel like I got to stop like with my self-limiting beliefs sometimes or something like I feel like there was a really big show that I wanted to do this year. Like, I don't know if you or guys are familiar with the motorcycle super show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to do it. And I was like, I talked myself out of it and I was like, Oh, next Ah. year, next year. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like I, I really do need to work on that. I guess like self-limiting belief or not feeling good enough. There's two ends of that spectrum. I have clients who are like, my demographic is every human on the face of this earth. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, not quite. You have to narrow that down. Right. Then there's others who are like, they're so narrow in what they think their demographic is that they feel like they can't open up to other people. Right. If I told you, let's say we had a marketing meeting tomorrow and I said, you know what? I think you should have one of the models you use now Mm -hmm. in his plaid jacket with his big bushy beard. Yeah. Standing beside a guy with a suit yeah. with a beard on yeah. and post those two together. See? Oh, that's honestly like a great one. Wow. But if you put those two guys together mm-hmm. and it's just it maybe it's just every now and then you have a guy with a suit, but mix them in. Yeah. And not just by himself so it looks like a GQ ad. Right. You're kind of telling your audience that, yeah, this is for the blue collared guy. Yeah. But this is also for the guy in the suit in the financial district, you know, in Toronto, who's has a beard. Right. That's it. Right? That's a good, interesting. Crafted for blue collar. Yeah. Admired by white collar. Oh, look at you guys with all your little things. This. I need to take notes right now. Everyone deserves a bush beard. Yeah. See? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. That, you know what? That's awesome. And like, I feel like, too, because I look a lot into the ingredients and stuff. And one of the reasons why I did it, too, is because... A lot of the chemicals now are hormone disruptors and um, really affect testosterone and all the other things. But I feel like sometimes I I put that information in there, but then I just don't know if guys want to know that or... I had no clue until I uh, read it somewhere on one of your posts. Okay. And guys give a shit about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess sometimes even if I post things, like there was... One that I posted about um, male's testosterone levels, like the average 22-year-old now has a testosterone of a 60-year-old, which is mm-hmm. just wild. But some of these things like phthalates, they're they're so small, they just get in your body. Like they cross your, your blood brain barrier or whatever and everything. And they can be like forever chemicals in your system. And it's, can we completely eradicate ingesting chemicals and things like that? I mean, I don't know many people that are that extreme, but I, I feel like looking for things that have less amounts or just better choices. But even if people don't engage with that post so much, you know what I mean? Like whenever you post stories, you're like, oh, you might get like 10 likes, but 500 people yeah. seen it. So I guess I just have exactly. to try to remember that. I call it the lazy factor because back in the day when it first started, mm-hmm. people were addicted to hitting like, I got to like everything. I got to like everything. Mm-hmm. I got to like it. Now it's just all about the swipe. It's like, yes. oh, I got to hit an extra button to like that. Yeah, I know. Like that. <laughs> So it's the lazy factor. And we have clients where we've done posts where they get like 50,000 people look at it and they're like, only like 100 people liked it. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, just sit tight. Just trust us on this. Yes, we need 50,000 people to see it. The 100 people who liked it are your followers already. Right. 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 Yeah. For the most part. So it's like, just just sit tight. And then they always see the growth and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess guess people are just lazy. And I'm like, what did I say in the first meeting? Yeah. 
I think what you're doing social media wise is working. And I know you said you're in markets and stuff like that. And you are in some stores across Ontario. And that's so important, too, because you mentioned a little while ago about um, being shadow banned on Instagram and stuff like that. And you are not alone. It happens so often. It happens to everyone. Facebook and Instagram, I it's a real love hate. <laughs> Renee knows this. I bitch about them daily. Mostly hate. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly hate. Uh, but they do a hell of a job in the way they make money. And what they've been doing for the last almost two years now is shadow banning people to make sure that especially brands don't get out there so that you buy advertising dollars. <laughs> and then the more advertising dollars you buy, your organic posts get a little bit of a bump every time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, keep spending, keep spending. Mm-hmm. And they deny this. I talk to people that work in the inside and they say, yeah, it happens. I can't tell you that publicly, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Of course. What do you think? How do you think they make money? Mm-hmm. How do you think we have our fancy office here? And it's so frustrating as a business. That's why I think it's important how you mentioned earlier, being in the markets and stores. Mm-hmm. And trying to connect with the community because it's crazy to say in 2024, when 10 years ago or even five years ago, you could say, I built my business completely online. I didn't have to even leave my house. That's not the case anymore. These social media platforms are making it harder for you to reach an audience. Yes. So you have to go back to the old ways of advertising and getting people the word out organically off of social media. No, it's true. And I feel like so many people shop online. So many people don't even go into stores or go to markets or things like that. And sometimes I think like, oh, do I want to be on Amazon? And I'm like, I just feel like it doesn't align with me because I, I'm a supporter of mom and pop shops. And like, I feel like being on Amazon goes against, not that there's anything wrong with it. It just goes against my... Your core value. Yeah. And I'm like, God, should I just fucking do it? But then I'm like, just doesn't feel right. You know? So when you started your business, you said six years ago. Yeah. Are you at a point today where you thought you'd be? I honestly, (laughs) I don't even know if I thought I would still be here. I literally started with two beard oils and then I just keep adding. But I feel like this year I'm like, I don't pull profit from the, the company. I always put it back in, like always, always, always. And at some point I'm like, okay, how do I pull a little, a little bit of profit from the business every, you know, because I don't pay myself for my hours or anything like that. But I would like to get to a point where I am pulling profit because I just, I'm like, yes, it's my passion project, but what am I doing it for? I feel like I'm kind of in that weird limbo thing. If I look at my sales, my very first year, and then now way, like I've grown, Yeah, there's things that I've wanted to add, but it's such a huge investment, right? Like you could have $10,000 with the stock just sitting there. Like, yeah, it's nuts. No, for sure. It's not easy. And trying to figure out kind of that financial aspect mm-hmm. of when to pay yourself mm-hmm. versus when to put it back into the business. Yeah. It's, it's tough to comprehend. It's tough to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Some point as well, too, if you do continue to grow that you have to make the decision, well, is this going to be my only gig? Right. Right now it's a side gig. Yes. Like I've cut back with my salon and like even cut back with weddings. I only accepted 10 weddings this year because shows are on the weekends, right? Like when I first... My very first year, I had a partner and she was amazing and stuff, but we had really different ideas about things. And I know when I listen to you guys with your prenup thing, you know what I mean? Like just, you know, it's good to talk about those things when you're all like lovey in a good relationship and we still have a good relationship, but yeah. we had very different ideas about things. Um, it, it happens. <laughs> I, you know, I have other side businesses where I've had different ideas than others <laughs> and I knew just based on the marketing side of things of what could 
help this business grow. And my partner was just stuck in, no, no, this is what we thought this product would be. This is how we're going to keep it. Right. And it's like, no, we need to shift. Yes. And I, I talk about this all the time is that sometimes you have to shift what your strategy is or what your idea of your business is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always wanted to be like, kind of like a lifestyle sort of, not necessarily a lifestyle, yeah. but I always say like beards, babes and the bush. Like I just like all those things. Um, and like going to the motorcycle show is something that I really want to do. Just different where you would find maybe more like outdoorsy types yeah. of people. Um, and yeah, just with my wedding business and hair salon, it, it does make it hard. But I have cut back to make more time for Bush, but it's hard to not like get burnt out. You know what I mean? I don't want to hate it. Yeah. I want to still be in that like love stage with it. Um I have two thoughts there. <laughs> the comment you made about doing less uh, weekend gigs that are actually paying you, but yeah. now you're working these shows and you're not taking any money from the business. Yeah. So from me being a finance guy, it's you're like, like, no. And it's tough. I've I've lived, eaten, breathed that same challenge, right? It's like, I remember my first employee, I'm like, holy fuck, can I like afford a full-time employee and possibly employ, you know, offer them benefits and stuff like this is a big fucking leap. And then it just kept progressing from there. It's like, you you have to take that financial leap where it could kind of kick you in the balls at first, yeah, but sometimes necessary. Yes. Right. So it can't be easy for you to say, okay, well, I'm going to take a, a paying gig at a wedding and I'm going to kind of put that to the side and I'm going to go do a show. Yeah. And I'm not going to pull any profits from the business. Yeah. And that's tough. It is. Right? I have decided, like I have started to add a couple more clients during the week to try to like counterbalance that. But um, I feel like just with the economy, I was adding a couple more clients a week just to like balance out um, inflation. So it is yeah, a tricky yeah. thing. And to know what to do, because I feel like I'm like full squirrel, like I don't even know. 10 screens at one time. I'm like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to have these and I want to do these <laughs> things. But I feel like my best friend is really good. There's been a few times where I've made huge purchases and she's like, what in the actual fuck? Like, did you think this through? She's like, Kian, you literally bought a thousand boxes so that you could save what? $400? Are you ever going to use a thousand boxes for this one thing? And I was like, but I thought it was like a great thing, you know? So I kind of run stuff off her now before yeah. making huge purchases like there's another one uh we're gonna go to toronto in march and have a meeting i'm trying to cut out the middleman for something so and have yeah. as much canadian made uh things as possible so like last year in march we drove all the way to montreal uh went to this factory seen all this stuff for toques um and it was a huge purchase because when you're when you're dealing with like direct supplier it's not like, hey, man, can I get 50 juice? Like, it doesn't work like that. So it was a yeah, big, yeah. but it aligned more things that I wanted, like labor to thread, Canadian made. Um, I was able to sell it at an affordable retail uh, thing because I feel like a lot of stuff, like people in Canada don't work for 49 cents an hour. So sometimes for yeah. me, it's frustrating because they have no problem buying an $80 American Eagle sweater. Just a side note, yeah. Candace, mm -hmm. I feel like I work for 49 cents an hour Dude, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I believe same. it. I believe same. it. <laughs> That's that seems like a raise to me. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I definitely feel like I'm in the 49 cents an hour thing too. <laughs> what resonates with what you're trying to do is very much in line with, you know, the values that Daryl and I share in terms of, you know, the humanizing factor and really going to kind of reach out and touch someone. Yeah. Like like I think of Lululemon, there's such a sense of belonging to the the Lululemon community, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is like-minded. Mm -hmm. Uh 
you know, just, I, I think you're trying to go and get that, that community of yeah. people that are just down to earth, real people mm-hmm. who want to have sexy beards yeah. Yeah. and, and, and you don't want to compromise that. No. You know, like you said earlier, it's more of a lifestyle. Yes. You, instead of selling a product. Yes. Right? Which I'm like fine tuning. Awesome. Like I really am. I really am fine tuning that or finding things that I love. And it's been over the couple of years, it's trying to, it's like trial and error, figuring out things or how do I make that possible? Like when I go to Toronto to visit this manufacturer, I get to see the people that work there and I get to see Mm -hmm. all of the things. And that's really important to me. So maybe the hoodies will be like 80 or $90 and that's not going to be okay for everybody. And then I just have to accept that not everybody finds value in the same things that I do. Let me know when you have those new hoodies. I'll be the first to order. Definitely. So when I'm wearing my bush, you guys, you now know where it comes from. It's Candace's. Yes. (laughs) Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm hoping you could talk about something that I know is near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. And we talk constantly about giving back to the community and charity and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping you can touch on open doors a little bit. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Want to be more prepared for tax season? Develop the right strategy with a preliminary plan now, and we can help you save as much as 53.53% on your taxes. It's a no-brainer. Prepare now and celebrate at tax time. Hashtag call Renee of St. Cyr and Associates. Daryl, before we get back into this topic that you left on the table before break, I just want to say how great this conversation is, uh, Candice, because it doesn't, like I specialize in the business market. Okay. And I work with small business owners all the time. Okay. And these concerns and worries and fears are so relevant regardless of the industry that you're in. Okay. Whether it's a product, whether it's a service, like sometimes you have to fake it till you make it, I guess. And people just kind of walk you know, tall and proud to say, oh, everything's fucking honky dory. But people don't, people fear talking about the struggles, right? Yeah. Even with other business owners, just for fear of uh, being, I guess, seen as a failure. But everyone has to go through those hurdles, Right. right? And you have to overcome, you know, the next step. And, and I think it's really awesome that we're having this chat today. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for coming me. So I want you to talk about Open Doors because I read this post at Christmas. Got me a little teary-eyed. Such a soft. I know, I know. But listen, it's uh, giving back to charity, especially when it means something to you, when you have a connection, is so important. So tell us about Open Doors. So Open Doors is a not-for-profit organization in the Lanark, Leeds, Grenville County area that I am living in. They started back in the 90s when I was a teenager and I was one of their first round kids that they worked with. Oh, cool. And if I'm going to get emotional for a second. That's okay. If they didn't step in when they did and work with me, I wouldn't be here today. Um, So, as a business owner, I think for the last seven years, I have made it a priority and like non negotiable to raise funds for them because I think it's like, less than 4% is allocated to children and youth mental health. And I just feel like bringing on board the community and creating awareness um, really makes a difference. Even if it's for one kid, I know that it affects more, but it's just something that I feel like I have to do. So yeah, at Christmas, I raised, I hit a goal this year, which was really cool. What was that goal? About $2,000. So I do it every year for the months of November and December. And I, and I wasn't sure how it was going to go because everything, everybody's so tight. Um, but I think, I I don't know, I'd have to check my website, but I think over the last couple of years, I think we've raised like $8,000 maybe, which 
can seem like a little bit in the small picture of things, but it really does make a difference um, really when you get to give it to them and work one-on-one with them. So you're telling me if it wasn't for Open Doors, we wouldn't have the luxury of using the Bush Beards product? Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, growing up was very hard for me. And it's like 70% of, of people with mental illness will experience the onset in adolescence. And I was one of those kids. And um, I just feel very fortunate and blessed. And it didn't matter how horrible I was to my worker at the time. She just never left. And like, I was mandated to have to see her. So I would sit in the room and she would want to talk. I'm like, I'm not fucking talking to you. And she's like, she was the weirdest, quirkiest lady. And she's like, you know what? That's okay. We can just sit here. And then eventually she just never left and like earned my trust. And um, although at the time I didn't feel that it had any purpose or place in my life. And it was just absolute hell for me. Looking back, it was really like the, you know, planting the seed or the pivotal point for change. Um, And I know that I have a, you know, a modest following or whatever, but I feel like being somewhat in the public eye in whatever way that is, I feel like this responsibility to bring other people on board with it because I feel like nobody ever thinks anything's important until they need it. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like we're all adults now, like we made it past that stage. And I think to survive being a teenager, uh, is one thing. And then to survive being a teenager with aggressive mental health issues is like a whole other level. And I feel like, I don't know, I just try to like get people on board with it because I feel like if you give goodness, goodness will come back to you. And I don't know, I just feel really grateful. Let me tell you, we are extremely grateful because we absolutely love you and this world needs Candace on it. And if I was there right now, I'd give you a big mushy hug. (laughs) Aw, thank you. Even in your lowest points, Mm -hmm. you tend to think that you are alone. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with mental health. And I, I preach this to my own children. I preach it to friends. I've dealt with that myself where it's like, I feel like I'm all alone Mm -hmm. and it's like I'm battling whatever I'm battling. And But there's always somebody there. Mm -hmm. And like kind of exactly like that counselor, like you were saying, she just wouldn't go away. She just wouldn't. Yeah. And I have friends that I talk to now who are struggling with mental health. Mm -hmm. And I'll check in with them, whether it's a text or a phone call or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I've had a few of them say, you just don't go away. Yeah. Like literally, I am pouring like it just actually just happened a few weeks ago. A friend said, I'm literally pouring my fucking guts out to you daily in text message form like you have you're reading novels every day (laughs) and just telling me positive things and working through at some point you're gonna say fuck off and i'm like no i'm probably not going to like i have no reason to i know we're new as friends we just Mm -hmm. met but there are people here for you right there's people here right now for you yes you're struggling Mm -hmm. you can reach out to anybody yes and I, i i put that out there to anyone it's like I, I fucking hate the Bell Let's Talk Day mm-hmm. for the simple reason that, yes, they're donating a lot of money, which is great, mm-hmm. but they use it as a platform to be like, hey, everyone, look at us. We're great. Buy our service now. Yes. And then they don't talk about it the rest of the year. No. And I feel like as someone with um, complex mental health issues, um, I always talk about it as mental wellness because my brain is just different. Like yeah. one of the mental illnesses I have developed before the age of seven And it's just because my brain's different. And as I've aged, I've learned different ways or things like how to help myself. 
um, and not always be shit on myself. I'm by no means an expert yeah. in uh, this field at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that through the pandemic and since the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, mental health has become far greater issue than oh, it absolutely. ever was. Yeah. So the fact that you're you're working with Open Doors uh, at this point in time mm-hmm. is probably more important than ever. And yeah. I commend you for that. Thank you. Well, and that's the thing. I think the important thing to to mention here is that Yes, your donation is so important and everyone else's donation, whether it's to Open Doors Mm -hmm. or whatever charity you're passionate about Mm -hmm. that you connect with. Mm -hmm. Because I think as a society and the way our governments work with funding things like mental health, Mm -hmm. we're in such a reactive state as opposed to being proactive on everything. Yeah, and I totally believe in preventatives. And so I think donations like this to charities like this are so important because it helps them have that proactive approach and helps people get help. Yeah, no, it, it really does. Um, and, it, and it works with youth in like that preventative sense. And there's different ways to get kids in, right? Because I wouldn't have been one of the kids that would have went to a group because I've been like, that's for pussies. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to that. Um, yeah. But like they'll do like little things like, hey, we're going to have a pizza night. Like just come hang out, like just getting them in the door. That's pretty typical of teenagers to have that mentality, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's you're, you're definitely not alone. No, it is. I don't know. It's just such an interesting and amazing place. Um, and sometimes people will come across work. They're like, oh, well, that whole organization sucks because I didn't like that worker. But I'm like, can you generalize a whole thing on one person? Like, you know, my one of my sons in particular, he had to have three different ones. And then his third counselor was like life changing for him. It gave him back so much confidence and ability and coping skills and tools to like approach the world and handle things better. And the one thing that I was going to say before is that, you know, with Bell, uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, like, yes, it's great that they donate a large amount of money and everybody posts about their mental health for that day. But just speaking from personal experience, everybody says they're okay with like mental health until you start to show symptoms. And then they're like, Woo, I'm out tapping out. Yeah, I don't want to be around that or whatever. When at that point, sometimes people need the most support or like guidance right. or reassurance 100%. and lack of judge, like, Get rid of the fucking judgment. Like we all have scary, ridiculous, embarrassing or shameful shit in our life. And we don't need somebody mm-hmm. else to exacerbate it. The stigma, right? And it's funny mm-hmm. because like you, if you have a, an amputated leg, you have an amputated leg. Everyone yes. sees it, right? But yes. I, I think a big part of it is mental health is essentially invisible, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's tough. No, that stigma it really is. Good. is, 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 a, is a tough barrier for sure. Mm-hmm. I sat on a French health board and uh, their motto in French was... E- Il vaut mieux prévenir que guérir, which means uh, better to prevent than to heal, mm-hmm. right? So if you were able to get ahead of that curve and, and try to help, especially the youth, right? Yeah. I mean, we we can move mountains. Yeah. Listen, Candace, mm-hmm. we really appreciate you being on the show. I'm sorry we got you emotional. No, no. Usually, usually that's reserved for me. No, I'm yeah. the only one Darryl, who cries. I saw a little. I saw a little tear on your cheek. <laughs> I did. Oh, I did. Super I did. cute. Oh, it was so I cute. Did. I was trying, I was like, can they see it? Should I wipe it? Can they see it? Oh, every time you moved, that little water was glistening. (laughs) You had me. But listen, donate to charities that matter, especially mental health. They're so important. Buy Bush beard (laughs) products because it's so important. You have shampoo too. Actually, when we get off here, I need to order some more Uh. because it's such good stuff. It's natural. There's no shit in it. You rock. You're going to continue to rock. And I can't wait to we have you back on here when you say, 
hey, I'm no longer doing this as a side hustle. This is my full-time gig. I'm rocking it. We should talk about it. I can't wait for that day. (laughs) Thank you. So nice to have met you, Candice. So nice to have met you. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And again, check out Bushbeard. You're either going to find him on Instagram or check out our Instagram because you'll find it there. Sweet. We'll see you guys next time. Ciao. Bye.